Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14 and 34 to 30. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat cows have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed there was a man who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, Friends, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. One on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Kate. Good morning. That was a long passage of Scripture, and there's two of them. Um, But it is good to read the Word of God and uh, come together to apply it to our lives and how we can better uh, follow God. Amen? Amen. So right now we're in this season of Lent, and we are in this new sermon series, Journey to the Cross. And we are taking an intentional and in-depth look at each day from Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem and enters uh, into the temple courts uh, and going towards uh, the cross on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So we're going to take an intentional and in-depth look at each day. And this is the third day uh, that Jesus is on this journey. And for each step along the way, we we need to acknowledge something before we begin this morning. That we would much rather go, right, from Palm Sunday and jump ahead, skip ahead, forget about Monday, Thursday, forget about Good Friday, and just get to Easter. If we're honest with ourselves, we, we would rather do that because there's there's gruesomeness, right? There's humiliation and, and torture, and sometimes we don't like that. But in, in we skip from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. We miss the point. 
We miss the point of Jesus coming to save us, to reconcile all of humanity from our brokenness and reconcile that relationship back to God and to call us to a new way other than our own way, to the way of the kingdom of God. Last week we heard from Pastor Emily uh, as we dove into uh, Matthew chapter 21 in that common uh, Palm Sunday scripture passage where Jesus enters into Jerusalem, right, on a donkey. And then all of the people are taking their robes and their garments and laying them on the ground as Jesus goes up to the temple. And then we heard about the next day where Jesus flips over tables. He's angry. He's furious. He's frustrated. And he flips over the tables of the money changers because they're making the temple a mockery of God. And Jesus says to them, quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus has already been on the radar of the religious establishment of that day because he's been cleansing the temple, right? Healing the sick, feeding the hungry, walking on water, and even associating with people who were seen as unclean. Jesus is taking the societal, the theological, the cultural norms and precedent of that day, and he's flipping it all on its head. Everything that the religious people of that day thought they knew about God, turning it over on its head. Jesus is still doing what he's been doing his entire ministry, even in the last week of his life before he's crucified. Jesus is still calling people to follow him and to live into the ways of the kingdom of God. And so today we continue that journey towards the cross. And I want to invite you into a time of prayer. So will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you great thanks and praise that you are our king. God, we pray that this word that you have this morning might engulf our hearts so that we might burn with a passion to serve you and to serve one another. May we grow deeply in our love that calls us out of the depths and the pits and that saves us and redeems us and restores us. And so, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because, O oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever thrown a party before? Those of you who are joining us online, write it in the chat. Uh, wait, hands up still. Come on. Okay. Keep them up. Keep them up. Now, I'm talking about more than just cooking out on the grill, burgers, and hot dogs. I'm talking about a huge banquet-style party. Okay, some hands start to go down. Okay, perfect. Maybe uh, a banquet style party like a year-end gathering. Okay, sorry, you can put your hands down. <laughs> uh, a banquet style party like a year-end gathering or maybe even a wedding. We find today in the scripture passage from Matthew's gospel that there's a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. And... A wedding of this caliber involves very intricate details, just like a wedding in our modern day. It's a, it's a gathering, a celebration, and we want to make it a success, right? Or else our family members will talk about us. Hmm. But planning an event of this caliber can be quite laborious, right? After you send out the save the dates and the announcements, then you start to question, oh my goodness, did we order enough food? Did we plan for enough people? Who are our cousin Norm going to bring to the wedding? He's always brought that crazy lady. But who is going to come to the wedding? And here's the other question we might think to ourselves. Are people even going to show up? 
oh, don't put on the save the date that you're coming and then skip out on the wedding. Come on, people. According to the Knot, which is a wedding planning website, it gave the average of a cost of a wedding for 2023. And can anybody guess what it was? 150,000? Really? Whew. Man, that's a big wedding. $35,000 was the average wedding cost in 2023. From save the dates to the wedding gown to say, uh, to the invitations to the DJ to the officiant even. Okay? Yeah, yeah. No. Weddings take a long time to plan. And they also cost a lot of money. And so if you haven't already, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. And I want to give you some context. If you have your Bible app, there's a Bible in front of you if you want to read from the Pew Bible or if you brought your own. Here's some context about Matthew 22 and the parable of the wedding banquet. It's written, Matthew's gospel is written primarily to a Jewish audience, right? He's trying to connect the Old Testament, the prophets and the law to Jesus as the fulfillment embodiment of the law. And from the time of Moses to the time of Jesus, the religiosity, the leaders of the good temple uh, had made it quite complicated in some cases uh, to follow the law. And they even changed it and distorted it in order to make a profit uh, from the law. And so they lost temp- they lost sight of what the temple and what the relationship with god was really about they lost sight of what god really desired from humanity and so we have this passage jesus is in jerusalem right it's two days after he rode in to the temple and to jerusalem on a donkey and during that time he continued to teach and preach about what the kingdom of god is truly like and he does it in his normal fashion of parables and that's where we are this morning jesus is teaching And he's telling his listeners, his followers, a parable about the kingdom of heaven. And he says there was this king who was throwing a wedding banquet, a wedding feast for his son. And this parable, just a side note, is very similar to the parable of the great dinner in Luke chapter 14. But there are a few key differences, and I will share that with you in just a moment. But we read in Matthew 22, 3, that the king has already sent out the invitations. The king is ready for this wedding banquet to begin. And so the king sends the slaves to go out and to call upon those who are on the guest list. However, what happens? Do they come or no? No. There you go. Great. They don't come. So the king does it one more time and he tries to entice his invited guests to come. And he says in verse four, as he sends out his slaves again, tell them, tell those people who won't come that, listen, I've invited you all and I really want you to come. I've killed my fatted calf. I've killed my oxen. They've all been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Just come to the wedding banquet. Yet the guests made light of it. And they went away. One went to their business and the other one went to their farm and the rest seized the slaves and mistreated them and killed them. Still, no one came to the wedding banquet. And so after hearing about this, the king was enraged about how his people, how those people that were in the town had treated his slaves and mistreated them and even killed them. The king was enraged. He wasn't just, oh, woe is me. No one likes me or my family. I don't want to go to their wedding. He wasn't just like, oh, well, this is great. More food for me. No, he was enraged, furious, angry. 
And in the midst of his furiousness, he sends out his soldiers, his troops, to destroy the town and burn the city. Then, in verse 8, the king sends out another invitation. The king says, listen, the wedding is ready. Go, he tells his slaves, go, invite everyone that you can find. Go and invite the good and the bad. Go into the main streets and tell them that the wedding banquet is on and we're going to have a party. And so the slaves went out and they gathered up everybody that they could find. The good and the bad, it didn't matter. There was no checklist and requirements that you had to have in order to be on this guest list. It was inviting everybody. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells a a parable of the same essence. It's Matthew chapter 13, if you want to flip to that really quick. But I'll tell you about it. The heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is like the weeds and the wheat. And he shares this parable because there's a man who's likely a farmer. And he goes out and he's, he's sowing some seed. And he's sowing good seed. And it's wheat. Meanwhile, the enemy, an enemy of his, comes and sows weeds among the wheat. And so this farmer, this man, is questioned by his servants or his slaves and they ask him well listen what do you want us to do do you want us to pull up the weeds and uh, the farmer says no we should leave it let it grow together because if you pull the weeds you might destroy and pull the wheat as well and then we won't have any wheat left and so the farmer says no let them grow together and then at the time of harvest we will worry about separating the weeds and the wheat My friends, the good and the bad have been invited to this wedding banquet. God doesn't call the qualified, those with the right stuff and the right priorities and the right theology and the right credentials. God doesn't expect us to have it all together. God takes us as we are and gives us a new life. God gives us a ticket to entry It's a new life that is signed and sealed at our baptism, much like we celebrated today with Amelia. You and I have been called and invited to be a part of God's kingdom and then invite others to join us in this invitation. To invite people to come from a hungry and hurting and dying world to come and join the wedding banquet feast. This is our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ. That we are called to share and receive this great good news of Jesus Christ that changes and transforms our lives. And then go and share it with others. We don't need to worry if they're good or they're bad. Leave it to Jesus and Jesus will sort it out. Extend that invitation, not because you want something from them, but because you want something for them, right? You want them to know and experience the great love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that you have experienced. Share that invitation and let God do the rest. Last summer, there was a story going across news headlines on social media. And it was about uh, a couple who uh, one week before their wedding had called it off. And this is much like the story of the king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. They were sparing no expense. They were inviting 170 people. And guess how much they spent? 35,000. Good job. Yeah, you remember. That's great. So they spent $35,000 sparing no expense for 170 people. And then they called it off. It was at the Ritz Charles in Carmel, Indiana. And so the, the wife, the, the to be wife had said that she still wanted to do something. So she contacted the nearby homeless shelters and invited them to the party. 
The bride said, for me, it was an opportunity to let people know, these people know, that they deserve to be at a place like this just as much as everyone else. It wasn't just the bride who started giving stuff away, giving something of herself, but people in the community and businesses from the community donated suits and dresses for their guests to wear. This is a beautiful example of this parable and a beautiful example of what we are called to do in God's kingdom. Amen? Remember how I told you that there's a difference between Matthew's version and Luke's version, right? Well, Matthew's version includes a little bit more of the story. It's about this man, a man who had received the invitation, but then it turns into a nightmare. Matthew 22:11 says that the king came to the wedding hall and he saw all of the guests and he noticed that there was a man not wearing a wedding robe. The man was speechless. The king then said to the attendants, bind him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm, seems serious, right? Do you remember that Jesus was sharing this parable in the temple with his followers and his disciples and even always in an earshot of the religious establishment of that day? They were those who were invited but refused that invitation. And even in this parable, Jesus, as God, tries to issue another invitation to them, but they refused it again. Even beat up and killed the servants, the messengers who brought forth that invitation. And so the king brings judgment. And destruction to those who were initially invited. And then the king draws the circle wider and invites all people, the good and the bad. And they say yes, and then they become chosen because they heeded the call. They accepted the invitation and they put on the wedding garment, which is Christ. Except for one, the man who was acting like one of the chosen. He came, but he was thrown out because he wasn't properly clothed, both literally and symbolically. He didn't put on the wedding garment that was provided by the host. And in the Jewish culture of that day, it was customary for the host to provide a wedding garment, a wedding robe for those who were attending the the wedding or a a great party because they didn't want those people who were invited to the the wedding to upstage the king. The king's got to be the only one that's looking good at the wedding, okay? The bridegroom is the only one that's got to be looking good at that wedding. And so they put on the wedding garment or the wedding robe in order to make sure that even if other people wore more expensive and more lavish clothes, they weren't upstaging the king. The punishment, weeping and gnashing of teeth, outer darkness, it seems severe, right? But it's the fate of those who reject God's invitation. Those who respond but fail to fully commit and follow. God doesn't expect us to have it all together. God does not Expect us to have it all together. Hear that. God takes us as we are. God doesn't want us, though, to stay where we are. God wants us to live as people who are redeemed and restored and transformed. God doesn't want us to stay in our sin. God wants us to be free. Amen? And we are made free by truly accepting Jesus Christ and following Him. But it's more about, more than just about following. It's about fully doing what Christ has commanded of us. We can't just live a good life and and get into heaven. Nor can we say that we are just followers of Jesus Christ. The two have to be coupled together. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk. 
And we need to be about the God that we have received, that we have to know that God is our Lord and our Savior and put on Christ in all things. When we put on the garment of grace that is Christ Jesus in, with, and through our baptism, we are initiated into this kingdom mentality. And there's an invitation that's sent out to the good and to the bad, to everyone. The called and invited guests are given an opportunity to accept this invitation, to put on the garment and to live in a new way, to live in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in uh, Galatians 3. He said, once we were shackled, once we were held in custody under the law, locked up until Christ came. But in Christ, we are made children of God, heirs of the throne. For those who have been baptized in Christ, you have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul writes again in Colossians That we are God's chosen. Act like it. Clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Do all things in love which binds everything together. My friends, this parable from Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew helps us to see that not all people who believe themselves to be guests at God's restorative banquet actually belong there. Being chosen isn't the basis for being at this party, responding to the call is. This parable from Jesus shows the great lengths that God is going to go, the second chances that God is going to give us all. But that is, we have to take him up on it. We have to accept his invitation, accept the wedding banquet, and accept the wedding garment that is given to us. Live a life that is marked by Christ always. And to live a life that is transformed and changed forevermore. Do you remember that crowd that was surrounding Jesus that day? The disciples, his his regular followers, and even the religious folks? Well, they overheard this parable. And they got angry. They got upset. And so they try to entrap Jesus. And a little bit later on in the Gospel of Matthew, the second passage that we heard as Gabe read for us this morning, uh, one of them, a teacher of the law, stands up and he questions Jesus. Teacher, what commandment in the law is the greatest? Is it the one about eating matzah on the first night of Passover? Is it the one about having a a mikvah, a, a cleansing, a ritual cleansing before entering into the temple? No. Jesus says, the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your might, and your strength. And then Jesus expands and expounds upon the law and adding a different facet. You shall love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. Then, as a way of dropping the mic, Jesus says, All of these, these two, hang all of the law and the prophets. It's not an oversimplification of the law, but Jesus was getting back to the basics, the foundations of the faith, the fundamentals of being in relationship with God and one another. My friends, we truly have no idea what love is until we receive that great love from Jesus Christ. We could say to our spouse, our loved ones, I love you a hundred million times a day, but without Jesus, it has no merit. Amen? 
In this season of Lent, we continue to follow Jesus to the cross. And if you continue reading in the Gospel of Matthew, we will begin to understand what this great love of Jesus Christ is. Jesus is not going to define love by having another argument with the Sadducees or the heresies. Oh, the heresies, right? This, <laughs> well, he's pointing out their heresies, right? Jesus is not going to have another argument with the Herodians or the Pharisees or the Sadducees. But Jesus is going to exemplify what love is by stretching his arms out on the cross. My friends, our call today from Christ is to accept the invitation to show up and to be receptive of the work of God in Christ Jesus in our lives. It's not simply about showing up, but it's about putting on Christ, putting on love that transforms our entire being, that encompasses our entire being, our our entire being, our heart, our soul, our might, and our strength. It's the dynamic of all things that dominate our lives and knowing that Jesus Christ is at the center of our lives. That's accepting the invitation. So, will you accept that invitation? And then will you show up? And then if you show up, will you put on the wedding garment? Will you put on Christ and be forever changed? Amen?